I'm glad you're here. It's a good, good time of the year. I'm Brad Scott Johnson. On behalf of the elders, on behalf of the staff, welcome to Christmas at California Community Church. Traditionally, we kick Christmas off the very Sunday after Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving felt like a little bit early this year. I don't know why, but we're here. We're going to have a good run up to Christmas. And as we march closer and closer to Christmas weekend, I hope you're already making plans to be a part of everything that's going to happen. This is my 14th Christmas season to be your pastor. And it remains just one of the joys of my life to be able to teach during this season. I love Christmas. I love the Christmas story. And in a couple of weeks, Pastor Hector, our associate pastor, is going to teach one of the weekends to begin his run teaching annually at Christmas for us. It's just going to be a great, great uh, six weeks together as we lead all the way up to Christmas weekend. And I just really do want to encourage you, bring friends, bring family, be a part of it. We're beginning a teaching series today called Awestruck. And I just love that word awestruck. It has so much power. It has so much potential. Captured in that word is the reaction of people at the very first Christmas. Like if you could sum it up, like how did everybody respond, you know, to the angels and the star and the baby and all of that? I think it'd be this word. It's the word awestruck. Now, what does it mean to be awestruck? Like what does that mean? First of all, it means a heartfelt wonder. Awestruck is a profound, heart-swelling emotion that envelops you. Like it just kind of takes over when something magnificent happens that you find trouble understanding. Like I'm not sure I understand this, but it has impacted me in a very heartfelt way. That was for sure true the first Christmas, and it can be true in your Christmas. It also means a moment of divine clarity. Like to be awestruck, it's like this, aha, like this flash of time when you realize something really important. And the people knew that God had shown himself in a way like he had never shown himself before. And they're like, aha, like I, I, I get it, like awestruck. And that's what happened at that first Christmas. The third thing it means is a glimpse of heavenly splendor. Like, I believe that the distance between here and the other side is pretty close anyway. I think just a thin veil kind of separates here and there, heaven and earth. And sometimes, sometimes God, for his reasons, pulls back the curtain and gives us a glimpse of everything about heaven and eternity. And we're irrevocably changed and we're filled with a sense of wonder because we realize that God is closer than I ever thought. Awestruck. Have you ever had that moment when like divine clarity or you feel God is close or you feel like you've been transported or something happened that swelled your heart? And that's what can happen for you in this Christmas season. It for sure happened in the first Christmas season. But if we're not careful, it is quite possible that Christmas could come and go and we wouldn't be awestruck at all. That Christmas would come and go and we wouldn't have felt it. That Christmas would have come and go, we wouldn't have experienced it. And I think there are a lot of reasons why that could happen. But today I'm going to talk about one. And it's what I call Christmas control. Christmas control. I'm curious. 
How many of you would be honest enough to admit that there's at least one area of your life, maybe there's more than one area, but at least one area of your life where you like to exercise control? Let me see your hands. Go ahead. Like the fact that some of you didn't raise your hand, you're exercising control. I'm not going to do it. not going to do what you tell me to do. You're not my boss. Where is it for you where you really want to be kind of holding on to the wheel? Like maybe it's your job or maybe it's with your kids or maybe, maybe it's how you plan and organize the holidays, right? Like some of you for the holidays, everything has to be just so. And when someone's late to your holiday dinner, you're starting to lose your, you know, turkey and stuffing right there. Your temperature starts to rise. You know, the wheels are coming off because you work to make everything just perfect. And we know the word perfectionism comes from the old biblical Greek word, which means control freak. That's what that means. That's what that means. What do you do when you miss the awe because you're trying to be in control? Well, we're going to take a deep dive into a classic part of the Christmas story, and you're going to see this person who assumed she had some control, only to realize she didn't have much control at all. This is from the New Testament, the Christian scriptures. It's written by a doctor. His name was Luke, and he was an eyewitness to these things. And he wrote this part of the Christmas story. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Now, we want to stop right there. The combination of that really means anxious. This is anxiety. She's anxious. She's disturbed. And Mary tried to think, what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, the angel told her. Those are important words. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him the name that is above every name. You'll call him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, Mary had questions. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. Fair question. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby to be born will be holy. He'll be called the Son of God. And Mary responded, this is not convenient. This is not part of my five-year plan. I can't be pregnant in my wedding gown. You don't understand. That's not what Mary said. Here's what Mary said. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. There's another translation of this. It's in the ESV, the English Standard Version. It's a, uh, a really good translation of Scripture. And that verse is translated this way. Then Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. And then she quoted those famous theologians, the Beatles. And she said, let it be, let it be. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, let it be, let it be. Let it be to me according to your word. What I want you to do is watch the spiritual transformational journey that Mary took from being anxious and disturbed 
And yet before 10 verses of the Christmas story passes, she goes from that moment of having her wedding turned upside down, having her life turned upside down, having her future turned upside down to a very accepting position of, God, I'm just gonna let it be. Oh, controlling types, there is a word in here for you today. Let it be. You're going to think, well, I'm not a controlling type. I'm just aggressively helpful. Okay, we can go with that. We'll go with that. Some of you are so tightly wound, you make coffee nervous. That's all I'm saying. Like, you want to control everything. Your kids know it. You want to control what they look like, where they go, who they hang out with, what they do, who they're going to marry, how many grandkids they're going to have, the day they're going to conceive. You want to control it all. Your spouse knows you're controlling. You're wearing them out. You going to chew your food like that? You're not wearing that out of the house, are you? I can't believe you said that in front of our friends. Didn't your mother teach you how to load a dishwasher? I mean, you've heard, everyone knows the biblical way for toilet paper to unroll is from over the top, not from underneath. Right in the Bible. Right in the Bible. We try to control everybody and everything. We try to control our image. Look what we post on social media. There's this thing about control, and it's built into it. You need to understand this, that the more you fear losing the control, the more you want to be in control. Have you felt that? Like I'm losing it, so instead of letting it be, we just try to hold on more tightly. This past week, Karen and I were all prepared to host Thanksgiving in our home Karen's mom turned 96 this week. Uh, We'd made arrangements for her to be there. We were going to celebrate her birthday and uh, kids and grandkids and daughter and sons-in-law. I mean, everybody was coming. And for anybody here who knows Karen, massively organized. The ingredients for every dish were neatly arranged. So everything for the sweet potatoes and all the ingredients in the right pot right here. I mean, every dish, the ingredients, the pots, the recipe, it it was all right there. It was in place, because that's Karen. And then the house was decorated just so, and spotless and clean. And then yours truly got sick last weekend. And then Wednesday morning, just as Karen's daughters were prepared to drive up and spend the day with their mom cooking, which is their annual and favorite tradition, cook all day Wednesday, enjoy it on Thursday, Karen woke up sick. The feeling of being out of control was overwhelming. And it was sad. I'll tell you, it was sad. And there were tears. And we scrambled our brains looking for a way to make it work. And there just simply was no way. And we had to let it be. What do you do when you want to control? What do you do if you're living with the illusion that you have control? And then you find out you're out of control. Today, I'm going to give you just one thing, one big thought, something to hold on to and take away with you. If you're going to remember one thing, remember this one thing. It makes all the difference 
in whether or not you will be awestruck in this Christmas season or not. Here it is. You don't always have the power to control, but you do always have the power to... Say it. Surrender. You don't always have the power to control. You don't have the power to control, you know, uh, making him do what you want him to do, making her behave the way you want her to behave. You don't have the power to control your marriage and where you want it to be because that's going to take two. You might not have the power or the control to get your finances where they really need to be quickly. You may not have the power to make your future line up just so, to get your health where you want it, to have your kids do everything that you want them to do. You don't always have that power, but you do always have the power to say it one more time. When we talk about the Christmas story where the angel appeared to Mary, we see her come to this beautiful place of surrender. Like, I don't have the power to control this, God. I don't even know what you're doing. I'm not even sure what it all means. But I trust you, so I'm going to let it be. Say it again. Let it, let it be. A lot of people hear this story and they think, well, yeah, easy for her. I mean, she was Mary after all. Woman's got statues named after her. Cathedrals named after her. Like, that's the Virgin Mary. As if that made it easier for her. What you need to recognize, the day the angel came to her and turned her world upside down, she's just an average teenage girl. Scholars say that she may have been as young as 13 or 14 years old. Think about that when God spoke to her. She had hopes and dreams, just like any other little girl. She was dreaming about getting married and was engaged, but she didn't have the options like we do in our day. There was no match.com. She couldn't go to Christian Tingle or whatever it's called, you know. She's from a tiny little town. There weren't a lot of fellas. And so she was super happy that she'd found Joseph and fallen in love. And their wedding plans were underway. And then the angel comes to her and says, God has something different for you. And her emotional response is forever written down in the scripture. Disturbed and confused. I want you to read anxiety attack in that. I want you to read my heart's beating fast. I want you to read I'm having a little trouble breathing here. Like this was big news for a little girl her life had just changed. Now, some of you have had plans and you've had hopes and dreams that didn't turn out the way you thought. You were surprised by that. You found yourself anxious and disturbed. You were done with two kids, but then you got the bonus round and, and sweet little number three is now in your family. You're glad about that, but in a moment it might have been, oh my, my. Or the opposite might have happened. Your dreams were for three children and you found you couldn't conceive your first and you were disturbed and confused. You thought the job would be perfect when you took it. You had no idea that soon the company would downsize and now you don't know if you're going to get to keep your job and you're barely paying the rent as it is and you're wondering what's going to happen to me. 
For some of you, there's going to be an empty chair this year at Christmas. The person that was there last year and for whatever reason will not be there this year. And it's left you in this place of wondering. I mean, it could be a health issue. It could be a financial weight. It could be any number of things that has left you in this place and you're disturbed and you're confused. And you didn't think it would be this way. It sure wasn't your plan. Every time you get to a place like that in your life, I want you to think about Mary. I want you to think about her little life. You know, when all this was happening, Mary didn't know the end of the story. She didn't have the perspective we do where we would shout back through history and say, well, Mary, don't worry, it's going to turn out okay. I mean, for sure, there's going to be three decades and you're going to watch your son's ministry and that's going to be incredible. But then, Mary, you're going to need to, you're going to, need to watch him die. But don't worry, Mary, because on that third day, God's going to raise him and then he's going to ascend to heaven. He's going to be seated at the right hand of God. It's all going to turn out, Mary. She didn't have that perspective. She didn't know that then. And here's the truth about your circumstance, and it's the truth about my circumstance. We don't know how it's going to turn out exactly. We don't know. But in the moment, in the middle of it, when we're disturbed and confused, we need to pay attention to what this blessed teenage girl did. She had a choice to make, and her life teaches us. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. She had a choice between her dreams and God's destiny for her life. She had a decision between her plans and God's purpose, between trying to control and surrendering to God's calling. What I love about Mary is that though she did not understand the plan, how could she? She knew her heavenly father had a purpose. I mean, she just knew he's up to something. He's got a plan for my life. I just know it. I just know it. And so, God, I trust you. I'm going to let it be. I'm going to let it be. We want to be like that, don't we? Wouldn't it be cool if we just go through life and just whatever, you know, odd thing comes, whatever rogue wave hits our little boat and dumps us in the ocean? We want to be able to say, you know, while we're drinking seawater, it's okay, just let it be. But we're not typically wound that loose, are we? We're wound a little tight. And so what we tend to do is surrender like 80%. Now, I'll trust Jesus to save me. But, you know, I like to kind of fool around on the weekends a little bit and kind of kick my heels up. I'm not going to surrender that part of my life. I mean, it wouldn't be any fun if I did. Or people like to think, I'll trust him to make my past okay. You know, forgive my sins and all that. But I'm not going to trust God with my money. I'm going to spend all that on me. About 80% surrender. But here's the truth. There's no such thing as partial surrender. When it comes right down to it, surrender to God is rooted in faith. And control is rooted in a lack of faith. Let me explain that. The more I try to control something the more I'm depending on me. Does that make sense? And if I'm depending on me more, guess what? I'm depending on God less. So if I want to depend on God more, 
I have to depend on me. You're doing the math here. You know, the greater than, the less than, the, yeah. More God, less me. More God, less me. Say it. More God, less me. If we're going to depend on him, we don't have to depend on us. We can surrender and trust. Jesus taught us this. Jesus said, if you cling to your life, in other words, if you try to be in control, like you're holding on with all you have, Jesus said, if you do that, look, you're going to lose your life. The way to find your life is not by trying to control. But then he tells us how to have life. If you give up your life, surrender, give it to me, trust me with it, Jesus said, then what? You will find it. To fully follow Jesus is to surrender control. Didn't turn out the way I thought, but I trust God. I don't see how it's going to work out, but I trust God. Lord, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to let it be. Let it be. The interesting thing is this. Surrendering control isn't just a one-time decision. Mary had to trust God a lot in her life over and over again. I mean, think of the first thing. God comes to her and says, well, guess what, Mary? Pregnancy test is positive. Now you've got a fiancé to tell. Can you imagine her thinking through what that conversation is going to be like? I'm pregnant. How, God? And she was disturbed about that. But what God did is he sent an angel to Joseph ahead of time who appeared to Joseph in a dream and explained everything. She surrendered and God took care of her. And you have to know the family members were whispering, has Mary gained a little weight? Something going on with Mary? But she trusts God. And the Holy Spirit went to her relative, Elizabeth, and confirmed that all these things were true. And again, God took care of her. When she's nine months pregnant, riding on a donkey to Bethlehem, can't find a Holiday Inn to save her life. No Motel 6, no rooms. And Mary is just riding toward town. And God provides a stall, kind of a cave, a place of shelter. And once again, she trusted, and God met her need. And then Herod the king gets word that another king has been born, and that's a threat to him. He was a paranoid, crazy man. Who is this baby? Where is this baby? We have to make sure he's dead. And to make sure he was dead, Herod ordered all baby boys to be killed in the whole town. Can you imagine if the king and all the forces of government wanted to kill your baby? Every day, Mary must have been like, God, I trust you with my child. I trust you with my child. Now, they knew they were going to have to run, run for their lives. Matter of fact, they fled to Egypt. Now, how do you pay the bills when you're on the run like that? It's away from their family that could have helped support them, away from Joseph's job where he could earn money. They're in a foreign land. And what, how are you going to pay for that? But before they left, three kings showed up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And Mary was able to use that gold to finance their run. Surrender isn't a one-time thing. But God's faithfulness isn't a one-time thing either. Isn't that good news? Every time Mary trusted, God carried her through. Now, here's something important to note. Mary's life wasn't easy. Do you notice in my little story here how she went from hard thing to hard thing to hard thing? We think, oh, if I surrender my life to God, and I say, God, I'll just let it be, and I trust you, that, oh, now we're just on easy street. Hasn't been my experience. How many of you have been Christians for 20 years or more? Let me see your hands. Has it been your experience? Gets easier? No, it doesn't. What happens, it doesn't mean that it gets easier to get through it, but it means it's possible to get through it because God will carry us through it. So let's get real personal here for a minute. Where do you need to surrender control to God? Like, is there a part of your life you would identify and you'd say, I wish I could change it. I wish I could fix it. I wish I had the answer. I wish I could do it, but I can't control it. I'm going to have to learn to let it be. I'm going to have to learn to surrender that to God. Maybe it's something you walked in with today. Maybe it's a burden that's on your heart. Could be a relationship that's causing some, some hurt inside of you. Could be your marriage. Could be that child that you're aching for. Maybe you got a bad diagnosis. Could be a financial weight that's crushing you. Could be fear about something in your future. Could be hurt because of something that was done to you or something you've lost. It could be addiction that you can't seem to beat. It could be guilt that you're carrying from something you did and you can't undo it. Whatever it is, if you would like to, in a minute, I'm going to give you the opportunity to let it go. We always talk about our connection cards, our welcome cards that are in the seat back pockets in front of you, those orange and blue cards. You see them there right in front of you? Everybody see them? I'd like you to take one. Everybody get one in your hand. See if there's enough. If there's not, that's all right. Maybe families can share one. <coughs> I'll tell you what I want you to do with it. In just a minute, we're going to worship God with our giving. And you know, during that time, ushers come forward with offering baskets and they pass those. But today I'm going to ask you to give something different. When the basket comes by, I want you to drop that card in the basket because I'm going to give you a chance to write your burden on it. And you're going to give that burden to God. Whatever is on your heart today that you can't control but you wish you could, it's hurting, it's fearful, it's heavy, and you know that you need to surrender that to God, I just want you to write it on your card. And then when our offering baskets come by, you're going to drop that in the basket as a symbol that you are surrendering control and you're trusting God with it. Let me ask you a question. How did Mary do it? How do you think she went from anxious and disturbed to let it be? How did she go from anxiety 
to surrender. This week I was reading the story again and I saw it. The answer had been there the whole time. And it's found in something that the angel said to Mary. The angel said, the Lord is with you. And I thought to myself, that's it. That's how we surrender. That's how we know the magic and the message of Christmas is when we experience the truth that God is with us. That's how you're awestruck when God comes near. That's how awesome happens when the divide between heaven and earth disappears and God crosses over to be with you at your point of need. You don't experience that when you're busy trying to control. But you do experience him when you surrender. He's with you. One of the names of Jesus at Christmas is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And I hope you feel that today, that God is with you and that you can trust him. Here's what I wish I could somehow communicate in a way that you'd never forget and come to personally experience today. That God can do way more through your surrender than you can ever do through your control. Whatever it is you've tried to control, surrender that today to Jesus. Just watch what he does with your life and then experience that moment of being awestruck. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that from the life of this ordinary teenage girl who made a remarkable choice, we can learn something, God, today about how to experience you in our life, how to experience the awe and wonder of you coming to us at Christmas, standing with us in our time of need, taking from us our burdens. You're just waiting for us to surrender. You're just waiting for us to say, God, I trust you, and I'm going to stop trying to control, and I'm going to let it be. We've got a whole Christmas season ahead of us. If we could learn this today... This is going to be our best Christmas ever because we'll experience you in wonder and awe when we learn to let it be. I pray we learn it in Jesus' name. Amen.